The Bible Study Podcast, episode 745. Today, the Bible Study Podcast concludes a study on the theology of COVID. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I'm going to end this study with this particular episode and get back to the study of the Minor Prophets next week. I do want to thank Justin for a letter, a couple letters that he sent. Uh, Justin and I don't see eye to eye on uh, some of the issues that we've been talking about. I don't think I changed his mind. I don't think he changed mine either. But I think with this episode, I'll have said my piece and we'll move on. So I wanted to talk about a couple other issues that have come up in this theology of COVID. And if this is your first episode, I would go back two episodes uh, to where I start this, where I start talking about science and religion or science and Christianity specifically, and then also talk about overriding principles like loving one's neighbor and how that would apply in this particular case as I see things. There are a couple different things that I have heard from people as they're evaluating this particular pandemic and what to do that I want to address. One is that I know some people who are not wanting to get vaccinated because of a purity issue, that they want to be careful of what they put into their body. And I understand that. Honestly, I relate to that. That's something that I think about. And the only things I would say about that is, one is we need to understand that a virus itself is also coming from outside and isn't planning on asking your permission. Just want to make sure that people know how a virus works. The way a virus works is it's sort of like a life form and sort of not. And Because what a virus does is it uses your own cells to reproduce. And one of the reasons you get sick is the virus comes in, takes over your cells, and then literally replaces your DNA with its DNA, replicates, and then the cell explodes. So it's rather a violent thing at a cellular level. And viruses can range from very serious to very mild, but that is always how they reproduce. In the first version of this, I spent some time going into Matthew 15, where Jesus talks about what makes us clean and unclean. I'm not going to go into that much detail because it got a little long, but if you go take a look at those verses, it talks about that what comes out of us, what comes out of our mouth being more important than what we put in. And this is in the context of a society that was very, very careful about what was clean and unclean because of the dietary Jewish laws. So I think that relates a little bit, but I don't want to belabor that point. And then also we get an issue where there's a specific issue that I have heard raised that has some truth to it. And I hear some people say they don't want to take the vaccine because the vaccine was developed with aborted fetuses. And that is something that is abhorrent to them because of their Christian faith. And there's a kernel of truth to that, that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in particular did for its research use some previous work, I believe that dated back to an aborted fetus from 1985, so no new children died to make the vaccine, and it isn't included in the material of the vaccine itself, such that the Catholic Church, which is certainly pro-life, has said that it'd be okay for Catholics to take the vaccine. But if that's an issue for you, I would just recommend that get the Pfizer or the Moderna, which don't have that issue. That wasn't part of their development. The last time we talked about that, God will heal me from this. And We certainly believe that God can heal us from health problems, big and small. But I was reminded as Jesus is healing different people, he did it in different ways at different times. And I'm not going to go through every example of Jesus healing people, but I think of times when he touched people. I think of times when he said a word and they were healed at a distance. I think of times when he laid hands on them. And then I think of that one odd time where Jesus healed someone with spit. 
and I'm not making this up. It comes from John chapter 9. They encounter a man who's been born blind, and they have a theological talk about why this man was born blind. And then in chapter 6, it says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And I've always thought that was an odd thing because we see that Jesus healed people who were blind in other ways that didn't involve spit. (laughs) But in this particular case, he chooses to work in this rather unusual way with spit and mud. It's a reminder to me that I think we sell God short if we think he can't heal us through other less sophisticated ways other than big, big miraculous signs. If God can heal us with spit, then certainly he might also be able to work through vaccines and antivirals and all sorts of other things. The last issue that has come up with my discussions with Christians is about the issue of freedom. And this is perhaps a little more ticklish of an issue because I hear people who are saying, for instance, they're opposed to vaccine mandates and therefore they're not getting vaccinated because it's an issue of freedom. And that is certainly something as an American I can relate to. It's part of our, I want to say, national religion, that freedom is very important. But I'm not sure that it's quite as part of our Christian religion. And I sometimes think we mix the two in ways that I'm concerned about. I think when Paul talks about freedoms, and and Paul does talk about freedom, and one of the places he talks about it is Galatians, because he thinks the Galatians have sold themselves back into slavery to the law. Even in that book where he's trying to encourage them to live a life of freedom, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. All of the early Christian writers, as I read them, would say that love and how we express it is more important than freedom. And boy, that sounds hard to hear, especially as for me as an American, it's hard to say. I'm not saying that freedom isn't important or that I don't value it as an American, but I think of it more as an American value than a Christian value. Because I think we talk about, I can do whatever I want, is what we mean when we say freedom. And yet, I see calls for me in the gospel to think of you first before I think about what it is that I want and what I want to do. And I sometimes see that that is a countercultural, for sure, portion of the gospel. But I think it's a place where we need to be differentiate between what is our faith and what is our culture. And lastly, as we deal with these sort of issues, even when we disagree about them, these are places where we need to use some discernment. And I want to tell you a little bit of a story here. So one of my former coworkers, his wife is in biomed. She's a biomedical engineer or a lab technician, and she has been working on the tests that we used to see if people are sick in this particular pandemic. And I know that the people in those fields, I, he tells me, have been working 12-hour days to try and make better tests and to try and keep up with the viruses changing and things like that. have been working very hard. And she works very closely with the people developing vaccines who are continuing to develop vaccines because they need to make sure that the tests work with the vaccines in the sense that when you're vaccinated, we can tell whether you're sick and then they're not 
misdiagnosing people who are vaccinated as being sick. And she says that those people are working 16-hour days. And we know that the healthcare workers have been under a lot of stress lately, that they have been, especially in 2020, but even in 2021, working terrible shifts, watching people die and holding their hands while they do. And the only thing I would say about that is the motivation that drives someone to work those 12, 16-hour days or that to do those jobs where you're holding the hands of someone who is dying, you couldn't pay me enough to do that latter job. That's not a job that I can see myself doing, but I sure value those who do. And I value those who have been putting in the work to develop the therapeutics or the tests or the vaccines or those sort of things. And, you know, they might get a 5 10% bonus at the end of the year, nothing that will replace the hours they're putting in. And I think it behooves us to give them the benefit of the doubt that their motivation for working that is that they see a problem that they can help with. They see a problem that they have the skills and tools to help with and that they are motivated to do that. And that's certainly true of the people I know who are involved in the healthcare or who are involved in the development of the various ways that we're going to deal with these issues. And I say that because when we think about discernment, it is important for us to look at the motivation of the people who are giving us the messages that they're giving us. And I know that some of the messages that we're getting from people that are contradictory to what I'm saying are from people who believe different things than I believe. And, you know, you'll have that. But I also think there are some messages that we ought to take with a grain of salt. We certainly know that the news media, whether conservative or liberal or everywhere in between, is motivated to keep us listening. And the same is true for social media. And we know that controversy keeps us listening or keeps us watching. And so there is motivation for being controversial. And the reason for that is they make more money if we watch. They make more money if we follow. Or there are companies, for instance, that require their employees to get vaccinated and yet their employees are railing against vaccine mandates without mentioning their own company's policies. We should just question what the motivation is for that. People will try and have influence for power. They'll try and have influence because it will make them more money. And we should just take those things with a grain of salt in all areas, including including the information we get in a pandemic. I'm reminded that Jesus said that the wise man builds his house upon the rock. Well, he doesn't exactly say that. He says he digs down deep and builds his house upon the rock. And I would just encourage us that sometimes we need to do perhaps a little more digging in all areas. And that isn't just related to medical information. But I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Facebook. May not be digging quite deep enough. I hope you and yours stay healthy. We still have a ways to go, I think, in this pandemic. I hope you and yours make wise decisions and that your neighbors do as well. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. 
Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 